Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So we're good people, right? And they never believed in Jesus, and they did all this stuff that they thought was their brownie points for getting in. They bypassed the cross of Jesus Christ, the only way in. They never believed upon him. And they get there saying, where's our reward? And he says, you're condemned. Depart. I never knew you. Shock of their existence. Don't be that person. Don't let that be you. Pick up your Bible. Pick up your Bible and read it. I'm doing the best I can to teach everybody I can possibly get to because I don't want anybody showing up before the Lord and hearing, depart from me, I never knew you. I want all of you out there to get an opportunity to know your Lord, to know your King, and so you can make a decision to be saved. But look what happened to Rehab and Bana. They did not know David's feelings about Ishbosheth before they acted. Get to know your King. Let's move on now into first, uh, sorry, second Samuel. I'm, First, what? I see a number one right here, so I'm saying first. Second Samuel 1. <laughs> Second Samuel, I, can, I still can't get it right. Ray, slow down. You got all day. Second Samuel 5, verse 1. There I got it. Oh, hope you're awake now. Second Samuel 5, verse 1, where David reigns over all Israel. It says, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Okay, look at this. Ishbosheth is gone. Now the way was clear for David to come in and rule even over the northern tribes of Israel, as well as Judah. He'd already been ruling over Judah for the past seven years. We remember that the Lord had worked to turn Abner around. He went out to influence all the tribes to come and unite under David. And so here's this delegation now. They all came to David to state how they agreed that it was time for David to rule over all of them. Now, this is a huge deal. This is a big thing. Americans, imagine if all the Republicans and Democrats came together and said, you know what, we're all going to agree with each other today. And this is the way it ought to be. Wouldn't your head flip? (laughs) You got all these 11 other tribes, all, not just two parties. You've got 11 parties of people coming together saying, here's our man. We're going to get all behind you. All of us are going to get behind you, David. Remember, they had just been through a long war. There could be a lot of hard feelings here that kept people from saying, no, I'm absolutely not going to agree. That war that we went through, I'm still mad about it. Guys, do you see how the Lord moved with his people, Israel? Isn't that great? They did not agree to David's rule for no reason at all, though. I want to show you some multiple layers that there was of real substance within David that moved them to get under his authority. 
First, it says, as we read, they professed how they were all David's kinsmen. That means that David was a true descendant of of Jacob, of Israel. You have to be in, you've got to be an Israelite. And they recognized that as the rest of them were. Secondly, they stated, you led Israel out and brought them in. What that means is that David led the military battles out. He led the armies out. When you go out to battle, you don't know who's coming back. If you did really, really bad, maybe half of you is coming back because a bunch of them got killed on the battlefield. But it says you brought them out and you brought them back in again. So that means that David was very successful in military leadership, a successful hero of Israel. And all the the delegation figured, hey, you've got to be our guy because you know what you're doing. You obviously have the Lord's blessing here. And third, as I just kind of alluded to, they stated that it was the Lord himself who called David to be king. Basically, they're saying there's no way any one guy can do all these things if the Lord was not with him, if the Lord was not working through him. So they're thinking David is our guy. He is the king now. Who can be against all this? You know, Ishbosheth never stood up to assert his authority, but David, you always did. Even David, even before you were king, you were you were killing it, man. I mean, you were doing so good. They realized that David has to rule. Now, I want you to recall in verse one of chapter four, when Ishbosheth found out that Abner was killed, it says he lost all heart and Israel was troubled. Guys, when the leader lays down and says, oh, I can't, I can't do it on the first hit, that seriously affects the thoughts and the way other people view him. Everybody, all of Israel was troubled because we got a weakling king. What are we going to do? If our king can't stand up for us, what's going to happen to the rest of us? And so the, the remaining 11 tribes, first Abner went and he convinced them, get under David. But now the remaining tribes, apparently they did a little comparison work between David and Ishbosheth, and they saw a drastic difference between these two men and thought, David is the right guy to install as king. Look at all the stuff he's done. And he didn't just start doing it. He's been doing this for a long time. He's got a good track record. Oh, what a good day for David. But friend, I want to let you in on a little something here. I know maybe you would like for something to happen to you, that's something you've been waiting on, but guys, this didn't happen for David overnight. This was a long time coming. David went through a lot of hardship, a lot of long suffering. Didn't happen quick. Today, everybody wants everything quick. Give it to me now, right now. No, you need to get out there and you need to develop your track record. The Lord told me long before, more 10, 11, 12 years before I was a pastor, you need to get used to ministering to people now. My thought at first was, well, no, if if you pull me into a church and I can become a real pastor, I'll minister to people. I will. And the Lord said, no, if you won't do it now, you won't do it then. So I had to get busy ministering to people in the workplace. I was scared of getting a pink slip. You know, oh, don't do this again. Here's a warning. You'll be fired. You know. The Lord was clear to me, if you won't do it now, you won't do it when I move you into a church as a, quote, pastor. You do it now and develop that track record. And it took a long time. I spent over a decade, not as a pastor, but I had a ministry. It was in my workplace. And so do you in your workplace. Do it now. See what God does with it later. It may take a while, but hey, you need to prove yourself, right? 
David had a long time of suffering, long suffering, dedication, all his hard work and his persistence finally, finally broke through to the people that he was indeed God's called man to rule. Took a long time, but it does happen. Second Samuel 5 and 3. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Friends, this is exciting to me because, okay, check it out. And every time I get excited, I bump the mic. So sorry about that. Okay. This is exciting to me because what we just saw here was we saw promise fulfilled. The promise that God had said he would do was fulfilled. He told Samuel many years prior to this in 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to take you back. Let's remember. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Okay, I want you to notice, see the words in there. It says, reigning over Israel, he rejected Saul. Who did Saul reign over? It says, over Israel. It does not say just Judah or just Benjamin. He said, fill your horn, go get this guy. I've chosen a king for myself. David was already told many years before, this kid is going to reign over Israel. It takes all 12 tribes to make all of Israel, and bam, here it is. Friends, what I'm trying to say is that when the Lord says he's going to do something, he does it. He absolutely does. 2 Samuel 5 and 6, the conquest of Jerusalem. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Okay, why are these people saying you can't come in here? Why are they thinking, oh, he can't come in here? It's it's never going to happen. Why? Why is that? Jerusalem at this time had been under the control of the Jebusites ever since Joshua's time. You remember when Joshua came in and Joshua was told to get rid of the Canaanites. The Jebusites were a Canaanite people and they came into the promised land. Joshua and the people and the Israelites came in the promised land. The Lord said, conquer the Canaanites, get them out of here. But as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, could not drive them out. I remember that vividly. Joshua was such a good military leader, and he's going kicking Canaanite out after Canaanite, getting them all out of there. They went to Jericho and they all these victories, but for some reason, the Jebusites would not get out of Jerusalem. They were dug in. They were dug in tight. Dug in problem. You ever have a dug in problem that you can't get rid of that won't go away? I've had many of them in my day, and I know you have too. The Jebusites would not be pushed out. Now, when you think of all the prophecies that said a king would reign in Jerusalem, when God told Samuel he's going to rule over Israel and the proper place to rule over all of Israel was Jerusalem, if you were alive in Joshua's time knowing that promise, 
you'd look at these Jebusites and you'd say, there's no way. There is absolutely no way any king is going to come in here and get these Jebusites out. They've been here too long. They've been here for so many years. They are not going anywhere. Nobody and nothing has ever been able to push them out, and they will permit no Israelite king to reign here. But what they did not know back in Joshua's day, that if they could have looked ahead, is that, here it comes, the king is coming. The king is coming. Friend, I hope you're getting excited. The king is coming. The king is coming soon. And so here in 2 Samuel 4, it had actually happened. The king came. And now when God says he's going to do something, friends, I'm telling you, he does it all in his timing. The king is here, and all the things that would not be uprooted have now been uprooted and thrown out. The Jebusites are gone. He came in and he took it. He came and took what was rightfully his. Oh my gosh, that's good. I'm not going to go through all the rest of chapter five yet because I needed the first part of chapter five to dress up this whole story in one nice package. We'll finish chapter five later, but I want to show you something. David had multiple layers of confirmation to his rule. You've seen how the Lord moved Abner to unite the remaining 11 tribes together, and then a delegation, they all came in agreement and said, you're the man, David, we need to get under you. Then after they came in and made him king, David went out to battle and victory. Look at all the pieces that have been moving place into place together, all the pieces that's been coming in. God's fulfillment, God's promise. They cleaned the Jebusites out of Jerusalem. We have to remember that our king is coming. King Jesus is coming, and there's a lot of promises that are going to be fulfilled in Jesus when he comes, when he comes to the throne. There's, it's different from the rapture. There's going to be a calling up when we're going to be called out of here, the believers. Then we're going to return when he comes back to rule, but he, it's going to be fulfilled. The promises are going to be fulfilled, all in his timing. God's timing is perfect, friends. And a lot of people are saying, well, he's not coming back because look how long it's been. It, it, he's not coming back. That's why the Jebusite people said he can't come in here. He can't come in here. They've been saying that for a long time. He's Nobody's coming in here. There's no way. No way. There are people who are today saying the exact same thing to King Jesus. You can't come in here. That they were saying to King David back in that day, you can't come in here. They said, oh, the blind and the lame will keep you out. Like, you're so weak. We're so strong. We've been here so long. We're so awesome. You can't come in here thinking that he never will. Nevertheless, my friends, when Jesus does come back, he will take the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. He will take it. Jeremiah 23 and 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. Notice how branch is capital B. That indicates deity. That's the Lord. That's Messiah Jesus who comes from David's line. I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute, look at this, guys, judgment and righteousness. He does both. That's God. Judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell in safety. Now, this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Friends, that's who Jesus is to me. He's the Lord. He's my righteousness. I have none of my own. 
The Lord Jesus is my righteousness. So, friends, regardless of how dug in the enemy might seem right now, I know you're looking at politics and economics and your own personal problems that you're saying they're so dug in, they'll never go away. But it doesn't matter, friends. Listen to me. The king is coming. There's things that are dug in so deep that no man can deal with it. We saw Joshua. He could not get the Jebusites out, but a king can. The authority and the power of a king can do it. Those that, who seem to have free reign of this world, like they're tearing the world all up and it just angers you, it worries you, makes you mad. Look what they're doing to the world right now. Friends, it seems like they're here to stay that they're not going to be pushed out. And I believe that the reason why God did not enable Joshua to push the Jebusites out of Jerusalem is because he wanted to show all of us that there are some jobs that can only be achieved through the power of a king. And King Jesus is coming. Don't worry about what's too dug in. King Jesus is coming. So today, we saw the difference between two kings. Ishbosheth, who never stood up and asserted his authority, and King David, who did. Ishbosheth basically gave up and laid down at the first major problem, but David kept up his commitment over a long period of time. The things that he was going to do, the vision, the calling to get to that throne, he never gave up. He never doubted. Every time he got knocked down, he got back up again. And so he developed a long running track record that proved. To all the, the, all the 11 tribes proved that he had God's authority. Victorious kings don't just lay down when opposed. They fight and they win. King Jesus knew about his upcoming crucifixion, but he refused to just give up and lay down. He asserted his authority even after his crucifixion. And even after they killed him, he still got up. <laughs> Are you hearing me? He still got up, even though he was dead, and he fought. He won our victory. He is a king with authority that can do things that no man can do. And God had given us a promise of a Davidic line kingship, whereby Jesus will prove himself by keeping his long track record running, his commitment to fulfilling a promise that was made centuries ago to prove his authority to those who doubt his rule. People are saying, oh, he's been, they've been saying this about Jesus for a long time. They've been saying he's coming. They've been saying he's going to do this. Well, guess what? When he does it, he comes back and it actually happens and it's done. Then all the doubters are going to go, look, he actually pulled it off. It's like these 11 tribes that were, nah, I don't know about David. All of a sudden, they realize, hey, there's no way anybody could do this if, if he was not really God's guy. That's going to be the same thing with people who are unbelieving. They're going to come to believe, hey, this Jesus is the real deal. Look at what all he's done. This is the real thing. Many unbelievers will see with their own eyes that God's love is not only powerful, it is steadfast, means it doesn't quit. That means when he says he's going to do something, He does it. He never gives up. Friends, the king is coming soon. The dug-in mess. Hey, forget about it. You trust in the Lord. The king is coming soon, and he is the promised king who will fulfill his reign, and he will conquer. He will take what is rightfully his. Jesus does not have to ask anybody 
or take votes to see if the majority is going to let him sit on that temple mount. He's going to come and take it. It's his already. The earth and everything in it belongs to him. And anyone with a Jebusite spirit who stands in his way and says, you can't come in here, will be removed. They're going to be removed. Nothing can stand in the way. In fact, Ezekiel 43, it talks about Jesus is going to come to reign on Mount Zion by coming in through the east gate in Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem. If you ever happen to look on the Mount of Olives, there's a graveyard looking down the Mount of Olives, a Jewish graveyard. On the other side, we're over there by the east gate. There is a another graveyard that was put there by people who hate God. And the reason that they put that graveyard there right in front of the east gate is because they know that a Jewish priest will not step over a grave. He will not walk through a graveyard because it will defile him. Jesus is our high priest. And so these people that do not know who the king is, they put their graves in front of the east gate because they're trying to tell Jesus, you can't come in here. That's what they're saying. You can't come in here. What they have not realized is that there's a fault line (laughs) that goes down through that valley, and it goes right up to that graveyard. Zechariah 14 and 4 says that the Lord is going to split the mountain in half when he comes and lands on it. The whole thing, earthquake, that fault line is going to split the whole thing apart. All those graves down there trying to block the east gate, telling the Lord, you can't come in here. All that is going to be opened up, and they're all going to fall down into a deep hole, and they're going to disappear. And then Messiah Jesus is going to come right on through. He's not going to be defiled one ounce. He is going to come in through the east gate to rule on Mount Zion. God's promise will be fulfilled. God's promise will be fulfilled. Friends, the king is coming soon. The king is coming soon. Are you hearing me? The king is coming soon. Well, I got all these problems. If you let that dominate your thought processes, you're forgetting that the king is coming soon, and he's going to deal with everything that tells him you can't come in here. Father, we come before you in prayer. Lord, thank you that you're coming after us. Lord, we're so thankful that you're coming. Lord, we're so thankful of your steadfast love. You never gave up. You said, I will never forsake you. You never quit. And for friends, any of you, as I pray, any of you out there who want to give your life to Jesus and be saved, you want this king. You know a little bit more about him than you did before you heard this today. Now you know something. Now you know a little more. This is a king you want, friends, because he is the one that's going to rule. Give your life to Christ. Say, Father, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I give you my life, and I will pursue to know who you are so that I can do the things you are pleased with. I want to be pleasing to you, Lord God. I will pursue you in the word. I'm going to get my Bible, and if I don't have one, I'm going to go buy one. If I can't buy one, I'm going to contact this ministry and ask if they can send me one. I'm going to get a Bible, and Lord, I'm going to study your word. I'm going to find out who you say you are rather than who I assume you to be. I want to please you. Take my life. You have it. Thank you for dying in my place, Lord Jesus. I will not walk in my old life of sin anymore. I want to follow you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. And guess what? The King is coming soon. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.